What's going on, everybody? This is the Feed to Embiid, and I am your host, Austin Krell. So, the Sixers have played two games since our last episode, and they'll play another one tonight. So, we're going to recap the 100-94 road win against the Pacers, following that despicable 25-point loss to the, to, to the Nets. And we're going to discuss last night's thriller uh, win over the Hornets. And then we're going to talk about some unbelievable breaking news for the Sixers. So, first of all, Sixers go into Indiana, 0-5 on the road, got dismantled by a, a very unimpressive Nets team on Sunday night. Although it was their fifth game in seven days, that's a reason, but it's not an excuse. Um... Going to Indiana, Indiana obviously has a budding star in Victor Oladipo and a very well-constructed uh, group of, of role players around him. And the Sixers go in, they – it was a very back-and-forth game for a while, and then they took over really in the later half of the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. They led by as many as 17 points. Indiana got it to within um, six at the end. And that was about as close as it got. Um, the story of this game was, again, Embiid is dominant. Uh, Sharich also made a huge co- um, comeback, uh, stepping up and knocking in four threes for 18 points. It seemed like he was sort of reborn that night in, in Indiana. Covington played very well. Uh, 13 points, four rebounds, two steals, two blocks. He's doing more Covington things. Embiid, 20 more points, 10 rebounds. Simmons, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. And Fultz continued to sort of just look very un- unimpressive. 7 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals. Wilson Chandler had 2 points. Um, but the real the real contributors off the bench were obviously Redick, although he had a terrible shooting night, shot 2 of 9 from the field, no 3s made on 7 attempts. He had 10 points. Shamit had 12 points on 3 of 6 from 3. But the Sixers continue to do the things that they need to do to win games. I said from the very beginning that 10 threes a game and 75% from the free throw line, they're going to win a lot of games. They made 10 of 32 that game, good for 31%. And they made 18 of 22 from the free throw line, good for 82%. Then a game after committing 28 turnovers against the Brooklyn Nets. They only committed 16. Not great, but it is an improvement. It's a 12-turnover difference, which is a huge improvement. Um, Simmons only had one turnover. Fultz only had one turnover. Embiid um, had five, so it was a bad Embiid foul game. Um, but nonetheless... They did a tremendous job of just, um, of of just being aware of their turnovers. It was a you know obviously it was a bad game for Embiid turnover wise, but I want you to understand that he averaged four game for his career. I think but coming into this year, and he's cut it in half. He's now down to two turnovers a game. I think so. He's gonna have some anomalies, some bad nights like that, but. It also feels like he's kind of forcing the offense because Ben Simmons can't shoot, Fultz won't shoot, and um, you know Charge has been kind of struggling, and so the shooting has been has been disparate for this team, and um, 
and Embiid feels the pressure to create offense because he feels like he's the only one who can score. And he's right. He has been for a while. But I think forcing a little bit on his part led to those turnovers. But I think that help is on the way with that. And I'll explain that a little later. Um, in the first half, Oladipo was on fire. He had 22 points at halftime. Um, and then they made some defensive switches. You saw a lot more Robert Covington on him in the second half. Um, and they just played better all-around defense, committed fewer turnovers, uh, and forced the Pacers to, 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 to commit fouls. And on, a, on a, overall, you know, this was just a great offensive game by the Sixers. 94 points they allowed. I think that was good for, I think, close to a season low for them. Um, but, you know, other than DeMontis Sabonis and Bojan Bogdanovic, Oladipo was the one who, who, who was the only other guy who scored in double digits. He had 36 points in the night, only 14 in the second half, which is a, I know is, 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 a, is a good number, but compared to what he was on track for, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very big step up for the, for the Sixers defensively. He shot 4 of 14 on threes, 14 of 30 from the field. Um, Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich had 13 points. Sabonis had 16 points. The bench really did nothing outside of Sabonis. They combined for 16 points um, for the other four guys that played, which is not enough. Um, Thaddeus Young did uh, – he, he, he scored six points, contributed very little. Miles Turner only scored seven points. So the starters really didn't score much besides Bogdanovich and Oladipo. They had thirty nine of oh, sorry they had forty nine of the starters sixty five I believe, um, yes and then the re- the bench only had um, uh, thirty two of 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 the team's ninety ninety four so the the Bucks really were held in I mean sorry the Pacers were really held in check for a large majority of this game and I think what you saw was it was the Sixers playing stout defense getting stops executing well. And making shots, Landry Shamit uh, hit hit a big three in the fourth quarter to push the lead to I think fourteen, and then it was really just about solidifying the win, adding to your lead, and not giving it up. And they did just that. Now one and five on the road, a very impressive road win against a very good Indiana team. It might not look great on paper to to the casual basketball fan, but if you follow the NBA like like I do, you'll know that Old Depot is even though I'm, even though I don't want to call him a star yet because I think he's had I think he's had such a slow start to his career that he hasn't worn that respect yet, but he looks like he's been tremendous. He's done. He's made exponential improvements, and he's on the cusp of being a perennial all star. So, so the pieces around him are, are tremendous, and he's been tremendous. So this is a, a pretty dangerous Indiana team, and the Sixers handled them pretty well. I thought it was very refreshing for them to get that first road win after a terrible road loss to the, to, the, to the Nets, and then they had a they had a night off to go back to Philly before they played the Hornets. The Hornets game was disappointing in that, yes, they won the game by a point, but it didn't have to be that close. They were up by as many as 21 um, in the second half, and it looked like the, they had sort of gotten out of that funk with the win against against Indiana. They were making shots. They were getting out in the break, and they were playing like the team that we saw last year. And they were getting easy finishes at the rim, getting dunks. They were executing well on offense on both sides, and they were just playing like they were having fun. And then the second half rolled around. They built the lead up a little bit more, and then the, the Hornets went on a serious run. Um, Kemba Walker led the way. He was very quiet through like the first two and a half quarters. 
he ended up, he only had ten, I think, with with I think uh, eighteen minutes to play in the game. Finished with thirty on the night, and that's in, and that is includes overtime too. So Sixers really held him in check for a quarter, and uh, really for two quarters they held him in check. Um, well, no, I'm sorry. He by himself scored twenty. You know, he scored twenty points through a, the half of the third quarter. All the fourth quarter and OT, so he really got uh, he had twenty points in two quarters, which is impressive. But outside of him, Jeremy Lamb uh, contributed seventeen points. Uh, Cody Zeller contributed fourteen points. Nick Batum and Marvin Williams combined for eight points, and then the bench was actually pretty formidable as well. Dwayne Bacon had fifteen. Malik Monk had twelve. Kid Gilchrist had twelve. As well, and then Willie Hernan Gomez had fourteen. Then Biombo, Tony Parker, and Miles Bridges combined for ten. So they had a large contribution from the sort of the top end of their bench, and the last three sort of staggered off and really, I guess you could say, hurt them because they didn't do nearly enough amongst the three of them. And then you go over to the Sixers. Dario Sharge, forty points. He uh, sorry, not, not forty minutes. He had eighteen points. Um, four threes in the first half, and you really felt like he was finally getting back to his old form. Um, Covington had seven points on two of eight. Not a great game for him by any stretch, but he continues to be a, a stout defender. He had four blocks, and he had to play the majority of the fourth quarter with five fouls. So I thought he did a good job of not fouling out and, and keeping himself disciplined. Embiid was a monster again tonight. 42 points, 18 rebounds, four assists, four steals. Uh... Three turnovers, which is a little bit above what you want him to be at, but it's okay. 22 points for Ben Simmons with 13 assists, 8 rebounds. Um, Fultz, pedestrian again, 7 points, 5 assists, four, uh, five rebounds, 4 assists. Um, Bolden actually played fairly significant minutes. He had 5 points in 11 minutes. This after being called up uh, from the G League to replace Miscala, who had fractured his nose. Wilson Chandler had 8 points. In 16 minutes, he hit two, he hit a pair of threes, which helped the Sixers a lot in terms of spreading the floor. Amir Johnson had four points in six minutes. Um, Shamit had three points uh, on one of five shooting in 19 minutes. So he'll have a couple. He have, he'll have a nice game, and then he'll have a very quiet game. And it's okay. It's a rookie season. He's a, he's a late first round pick. It's going to be up and down. But you like to see a little more consistency out of the shot for 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 Shamit. Then T.J. McConnell finally played after three. Consecutive, I think, DNPs, coaches' decisions. He played four minutes, two rebounds and assists, one foul. And then Reddick continues to struggle. He only he had 17 points, but he took took him 16 shots, made two of nine from three. So I think their usage of Reddick is pretty high. I think it's taking him a lot of energy to get over over screens and misdirections and handoffs to get himself open for a three-point shot. And by the time he gets there, he's just exhausted trying to get himself open. So I think that they need to, they need to find players who can help them spread the floor so that way they don't have to just suck, suck in on on, uh, on on Redick and make his life difficult. Um, this game took a turn for the worst. Obviously, the Sixers... Um, obviously, the Sixers blew the lead, which is... Which is Disappointing, but then they fell down by as many as five. Kemba hit a step back uh, three on Robert Covington uh, to make it a five point lead, one seventeen to one twelve, late in the fourth quarter. Sixers come back at two free throws from Embiid, who made nineteen 
of 22 on the night. He's become a much improved free throw shooter, and if he's continuing the rate at which he's getting to the line and he's making the percentage he's making, he's going to average 30 points a game for the season, and he's going to be in the top three MVP votes, no doubt about it. Um, he made two free throws. Hornets missed a shot, and then he came, comes down the other end, drills a difficult three with, with Kemba's hand in his face to tie the game. Um, Kemba scores a layup through traffic. Embiid's fouled again on a blatant foul. Embiid was in really in the Hornets' heads most of the night because you look at how many fouls they committed on Embiid. Um, Cody Zeller fouled Embiid six times. He fell out of the game. Um, Willie Hernan Gomez had five against Embiid. And Biombo had four. So 14, 15 fouls by Hornets' big men. For, um, on Embiid tonight. So they really had no way to contain him at all. And why should they? No one can contain, contain Embiid. But he just figured out, he, you know, he really realized that I don't have to take um, disastrous shots or make or make uh, dangerous decisions. I can just back myself down in the paint, impose my will, and get fouled and go to the line and where I can get easy buckets and get a little bit of rest too. Um Anyway, Embiid is pulled to the ground out of bounds by, by Zeller. Goes to the line, makes two free throws, tie the game. Kemba miss, airballs a floater with about a second and a half left. Uh, it was a, there was a putback. It was good, but the shot clock had already expired, so it did not count. Sixers could get, get, a half court, get a good look at a half-court shot from Redick. It falls just a bit short. They go to overtime. Sixers uh, seemed, to, seemed to control overtime pretty much. They kept them at a field goal length the entire way. Um, Simmons made a difficult layup to, to sort of put the Sixers up four and and feel like it was closed out. Hornets got a good look at a, t- at, at a three that would have tied the game. Um, Simmons came out of nowhere, swatted it out of bounds. It was saved and recovered by Kemba, got it to Miles Bridges, who got a wide-open look at a three. He airballed it. Sixers get the rebound, they go to the stripe, and they make um, a pair of free throws, and Hornets take a shot at the buzzer to win by a point. So after all of that, and with Kemba going off for 30, the Sixers should never have ever been in the position that they were in, but they got the win. A win is a win nonetheless. They stay, they stay undefeated at home, 7-0, and 8-5 overall, and now they'll be in Memphis tonight. Um... This game was disappointing because you saw them blow another lead to a team that should not that is not in the same class as them. Um, but I think people want to blame Brett Brown and say his his substitutions are, are bad, his timeouts are bad, his rotations are bad, his lineups are bad. This is not on Brett Brown. Robert Covington was playing the majority of the fourth quarter and overtime with five fouls. That, that's not Brett Brown's fault. That's just that's just that's just a, an unfortunate circumstance of the game. The Sixers went a full six minutes in the fourth quarter without making a single shot. I don't mean just free throws. I mean, like, they didn't make they, – they, they scored all their points for six minutes straight in the free throw line. They didn't make a single shot in the field. Um, and, I mean, that's how you explain it. it that, that isn't Brett Brown's fault. He can't do anything about that. It, the fact of the matter is that the Hornet – oh, and then the Sixers also played it with, with the team foul limit for – for 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. They committed four fouls in the, in the first two minutes of the fourth quarter, and the Hornets went the free throw line the rest of the game. So, or the rest of regulation, I should say. That means that they were 
be able to stop the clock and get fouls and make and and score score points without having to lose time. So the the fourth quarter really was put in the in, in the Hornets' favor, and I get it. I'm not a talented team. Kemp is the primary scorer, but the Sixers were in a difficult spot, and they didn't help themselves at all. But that isn't the that isn't the fault of of the coaching staff. That's the fault of the players on the floor, and Ben Simmons not having a jump shot hurt them because that allow, that allows the defense to close up. That's not having a guy who you can go to other than Embiid to get a go to bucket. That's the fault of execution. That's the that's turnovers. Sixers committed sixteen turnovers in in the game. I think they had six in the first half, which is which is a, a, a an uh, an encouraging step up for them. But they sort of put themselves in a bad position late in this game because of foul difficulty and because of inability to execute. And the Hornets were able to crawl back into this game, tie it up, take the lead. But in the end, the more talented team won, and that's all there is to say about it. They'll play in, in Memphis tonight. And even though Memphis is a young team, but six and four and undefeated at home, Sixers are a four point underdog. I'll explain why right now. The Sixers today, and it, it, I am very excited about this. They made a blockbuster acquisition, trading Robert Covington and Dario Saric to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm sorry, no. Dario Sharich, Robert Covington, and a second-round pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves for none other than Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton. But that is a monumental pickup for the Sixers team. Jimmy Butler is a four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA team, four-time All-Defensive team, and the 2014-15 Most Improved Player. He is 6'8", 240 and is only 29 years old. Obviously, there's been some 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 locker room issues with him because he wanted max money and the Timberwolves didn't want to give it to him because they had given max money to Carl Anthony Towns and and Andrew Wiggins who are younger and have a lot of potential but are not, are still immature. And Butler didn't like their work ethics and he, and you know he wanted to be he he wanted to be gone. And I I I understand what I've heard and he's this and he's that, but he has a lot of heart and he wants to win. And he didn't feel like the players in that roster were, 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 were the tools needed to win games. And there's nothing I can say about that. I mean, if, 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 that's, the way it, if that's the way that team is, and it's, do you really blame him for not wanting out? I mean, at least the guy wants to win. He, did want to, he had originally wanted to go to, my, to Miami, um, Clippers, Brooklyn, and the Knicks because those teams could all, could all afford to give him money. But... I think the reality is a situation that he saw that he wasn't going to win where he was, so he figured, okay, I'm going to put myself in the best position financially and then see what my options are. So the, so for his career, Butler is at, Butler's, Butler's career averages 16.5 points a game, um, 45% from the field, 34 from the three-point from the, from the three line, 83 from the foul line. Now, that's not it's, it's a little bit underwhelming, but I think you have to take away sort of seasons um you know, his first his first three seasons in the NBA, his seasons where he was twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. He was a rookie when he was twenty two, then he developed slowly slowly but surely, and then he made a huge jump um in the twenty fourteen, fifteen season. He averaged twenty points a game, 
that year, then 20.9, 23.9, 22, and 21 this year so far. Um, from that 2014-15 season on, he's shooting 30, 38% from three, 31% from three, 37% from three, 35% from three, and 38% from three. So Butler is a top 20 player in the NBA. He's obviously a two-way superstar on both on defense and on offense. But I think other than that, he has the desire to win and a hunger to win. And I think that that goes a long way in the city. I think that goes. I think that meshes well with this roster. I know that they're young and impressionable, and you don't want to put you don't want to bring bad blood into into this locker room. But I think this locker room is different than what he had in Minnesota because Embiid wants to be great. He wants to win championships. At Simmons, I I I would hope wants to be great. Although his lack of progress from year to, from from year one to year two is is disappointing, and it shows that he maybe he doesn't want to be great. Maybe I I would believe, I think that's a, that's just him thinking that oh I don't need a jump shot and then taking the summer off and then realizing that oh I need a jump shot because I can't do anything right now, um, but I think that those two guys want to be great. I think that Butler complements them perfectly because what he does is he has the ability to shoot for you know without without having to have a screen set for him. He can create his own shots. He can get you a a a, a bucket late in games, and he's just, I think he's just a killer. He has that natural-born killer instinct. He's a dog, and that's what this team needs. I think this is a tremendous trade because not only can he play two naturally, but he's 6'8", 240, so he can play the three as well. He may, he may be able to play a little bit of four in a small ball lineup. If you need him to in a big lineup, he could probably play a little bit of point guard. So I think that he can defend one through four, one through five. He can play one through four a little bit mostly two and three, but I think he has the heart of a killer in that he has the, he has the heart of a, of a go-to scorer. He's going to get you 40 if he needs to get you 40 to win a game. And I really love this trade for the Sixers. Now it is a little concerning because they did, they give up Dario and Covington and those two contribute a lot of their depth. So for a little while, until he makes his debut on Wednesday, because the trade can't be finalized till Monday for a little while, they're going to be a little bit shorthanded. So they might lose the next two. Maybe they'll steal one tonight. Maybe they'll steal one in Miami. Maybe they'll go one and two. Maybe they'll go only two. Maybe they'll go two and zero. That'd be wonderful if they could. But I think they still need to make another move in terms of a free agent or a trade, a minor trade, to get somebody on this roster who can provide that depth that they'd have lost. Kyle Korver comes to mind. Um, Chris Bosh, free agent, comes to mind. I know he was retired, but he's been trying to forge the NBA comeback. So. I think they've put themselves in a tremendous spot with this trade. According to statistics, um, and, um, yes, you know, statistics gurus over at 538, um, the Sixers were projected to win just 50 games, and now they're up to 53 and counting. And as the, as the wins go by, I'm sure that'll be higher. Um, but, this this trade is absolutely phenomenal. They'll make the moves that they need to to add depth. But I, but I really I really think that that Elton Brand has shown with this trade, and I need you to think about this for a little bit for, for a couple seconds. What this trade means for a guy like Markel Fultz is that this franchise has essentially put the writing on the wall and said. We don't believe in you as a starting shooting guard of the future for this for this team because if because if 
when you look at the trade, Dario Sarge was going to get pretty close to a max contract on this team long term when he when it was time for him to sign an extension. Robert Covington was on a four-year, $64 million deal. And Jared Bayless was on an expiring contract. So they gave away two guys who were going to probably get close to $100 million total. Um, when it comes to their, when it comes to their, the final terms of both their contract extensions, so, and according to reports, to go along with this, I think the Sixers are going to. I think there's an understanding that the Sixers will extend Butler and he'll he'll sign with them long term once the season comes to an end. I think that I think that that was a key part of this trade was that he had to agree to that before the Sixers accepted it and agreed to it. So I think that he's a part of their future long term, and I think that he's going to be the third head of this of this monster in Philadelphia. It's a big three in Philadelphia now officially, but for Fultz, the writing is on the wall that we don't believe in you as a starting two, and so that means that you're going to have to prove that you're a one, uh, and you can be a backup. And what that mean what that means is they officially I think they've accepted that he's not going to be the guy who we drafted number one overall, and. He is certi- he might be certifi- certifiably a bust. If he if all he is is a backup point guard for a contender, and he, we traded two number one two picks to get him number one, then that means that he is a bust, and it's unfortunate. It's sad for him, but at the same time, you got to make progress, and we can't sit around waiting for him to for him to maybe pan out. So that's what that means. But it also means that this team got exponentially better within 12 hours of his last game. Um, you look at... You look at um, their issues going... Look at their issues a day ago. They could not create shots for themselves. They had no go-to score other than Embiid. And they really didn't have any shooters. Now they have a shooter who can both spot up and shoot off a dribble... They have a guy who can go create a shot, and they have a guy who can go get you a bucket when he needs to. They have a four-time all-star that they just got, they just acquired. They might have three all-stars on the team this year. This trade opens up everything offensively for the Sixers. It makes Ben Simmons' life much easier because now they can't just suck in on him because Butler will hit you with a back cut or he'll hit you with a with, with a knockdown three or he'll... You know, he'll, Butler will find his way. So you have to defend him at all times. You have to defend you have to defend Embiid at all times. This opens up the floor for for Ben Simmons tremendously. This takes the load off Embiid. This creates shots for everybody else because they can't just sag off anymore. Now, do I think that Ben Simmons having a jump shot this year would propel them to the finals? Absolutely. If he had a jump shot, at any or any semblance of a jump shot coming into this season, they would be a championship contender right now. Right now, I think that they're absolutely an Eastern Conference Finals contender. They might be a Finals contender, but they're probably not a championship contender this season. But this trade took them from just slightly above average offense with, with a lot of holes and issues to a top three offense in the NBA right now. So this trade dramatically changes the future of the Sixers, and for the better, I think. Because you can find guys like Dario Saric, who are stretch fours, who who provide the glue aspect and, and can and can hit shots. You can find 
a a a veteran all defensive role player. Um, but you cannot find a, another guy like Jimmy Butler out there. He's just a very unique player, a lot of heart, tremendous skill, unbelievable work ethic. This summer, they, this summer the Sixers could go out and they can go get Trevor Ariza, who's who's on a one year deal that would replace Covington. They could go out, they could get Chris Bosh or you know Jared Dudley or any stretch four. Those guys are replaceable. What you picked up is a franchise-altering shooting guard. He's a top-three shooting guard in this league, top-20 player in the NBA, and the Sixers got him for just a 3-and-D role player who's above average, an elite defender, a very nice stretch four who's a lottery pick in Dario Saric, and a second-round pick. I don't think any of those two will ever be all-stars. Butler is 29, he's a four-time all-star, and his future is still bright. It is a bright day in Philadelphia, and it's an even brighter future. And before I go, I'm going to say a couple words on behalf of our sponsors. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Go check out our boys at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It is also a bottle opener, tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. Check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. Cobra with a K. For a 10% discount on all Cobra products, enter the code TRUSTTHECOBRA10, all one word. Pick up yours today. This presentation and its name is protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution of its uh, of the presentation without written permission of the sponsor is prohibited. Copyright the feed to MB 2018. Once again, Sixers are in Memphis tonight, tip off at 8 o'clock. And more importantly, for the long-term success of this, of this team, the Sixers have acquired Jimmy Butler, a four-time All-Star from the Minnesota Timberwolves, for the likes of Dario Saric and Robert Covington. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here for Sixers Post Game Live tonight after the game ends.